what we just prayed is just, uh, it seems so simple, but it's so true and so beautiful that you are good. It's not something you do. It's who you are. You are a good God. And so, Lord, whether it be in, in, in those times of, of the mountaintop experiences where we just sense your presence and, and feel your good pleasure and know your goodness so intimately, or in those valleys um, of dry bones where we feel worn out and exhausted, you are still good. Lord, I do pray by the power of the Spirit that you would take your word, the truth of who you are, that you came that we might have life and life abundantly, life to the full, life to the end, life to the utmost, and that you would just continually press that truth into our lives in every one of those moments from the top to the bottom. For you are good. And we look forward to experiencing more of your goodness in this place this morning. By the power of your spirit and the proclamation of your word, we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the word of God by someone I know. Guys, sing to your kids. It's so cool. My daughter would sing that when she was two, so it's so cool to see her singing. Um, Romans 15, I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well, you can teach each other all about them. Even so, I have been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that all you need is the, this reminder. For by God's grace, I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring you the good news so that I may present you as an acceptable offering to God, made holy by the Holy Spirit. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ has done through me and my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I have been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says, those who have never been told about him will see, and those who have never heard of him will understand. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I'm going to kiss our reader today because I never get to do that. So, Do you hear my daughter say, ooh? Okay, come on now. You're 20-something years old. It's past, we're past the ooh stage of kissing. So, um, well, guys, guess what? We did it, right? Yeah, Romans. Like, it's, we're done. I am so proud. I, I seriously am. Not, not of me. I'm proud of you. Like, it has been quite a journey. It has been, um, guys, the, the fact that you are still here, and I know many that have been here and that are with us or happen to be out of town today on vacations or different things going on with school functions, but um, that we are still here goes against every church growth model in the industry. Like, everybody says, if you want to keep people in your church, you have somewhere between four, six, or eight-week messages that are all very relevant and topical because otherwise people lose interest. So eight weeks is about all you can hold people for. Well, we've been in Romans since January of 2022. 
That's 39 messages that have been preached, not by me, by, by, by me and other men in this church, but mostly by the Apostle Paul. We have climbed into this man's skin. We, I, I feel like we have like shared his soul. You know, and, and I will miss him as, as, as much as I kind of won't miss some of the heavy lifting that is Romans. And that's why I wanted to stop and just and genuinely say, like, congratulations. I am, I am proud to be uh, the pastor of a church like ours that, that is willing to take, as, as RJ mentioned, Romans is one of the books of the Bible that I was the most hesitant to teach through because there's just so much here. And so much of it is uncomfortable to us. And so for us, I, I'm just proud of the fact that you guys were willing to do that heavy lifting. And oh, by the way, God has shown us his good pleasure in that. Do you know that in the 39, we, well, since January, of 20, since January of 2022, that Cross Train Church has baptized in 16 months 20 people? Yeah, praise the Lord. Now, to give you a sense of perspective, because obviously, I mean, that's the Lord's work, not ours. But guys, to give you a sense of perspective, in the three years prior to that, we had baptized 12. So in 36 months, we baptized 12. In 16 months, there were 20 baptisms. Now, I, I connect that to the Lord's favor on our willingness to stand even for the hard, because we didn't shy away from any Romans. We didn't go, well, let's skip this part, or let's hurry through Romans 9, or let's not even pretend, let's pretend like Romans 11 is not even in there, or how about Romans 13 and politics, and all, like, we've, we have embraced it all together. And God has honored that and shown his good favor in that. But, but more than that, Romans is the gospel. Right? Romans 1 through 11 is, here's what the gospel is. And Paul passionately and very, um, like, in detail, broke down, here's, how, here's what the gospel is. That we are enemies of God apart from him. That we have chosen to rebel and reject him. That we have exchanged the truth of God's word and who God is. For the lie that the world has been telling. And then he says, and because of that, God is right to judge that we, have, we are separated from God. But, but God made a plan that through, a, through his seed, through his savior, through his son, we might be reconciled. We might have peace with God. That's Romans 1 through 11. And then Romans 12 through 16 is this. Now, now, that, now that you understand, here's what the gospel is. Here's what the gospel does. Now, we get to the end of Romans, and it almost feels a little bit like the movie, like the credits of a movie, where you get up and you leave, but if any of you are Marvel fans, like my family is, you realize that if you get up and leave at the end of the credits, or during the credits of a movie, because that's what we were all trained to do forever, what did Marvel do? They made you go, no, you need to stick around for these credits, because there's a scene at the end you need to see. And what we're going to look at today, the, end, the second half of Romans 15 and, the, and Romans 16, are like the movie credits of Romans. And so often, they're just skipped. They're skipped from the pulpit. They're skipped in our reading. And, and, and guys, we will miss the, the whole point Paul is making in this book. The whole point of the book is, yes, this is the gospel. This is what it does. This is what it is. This is what it does. But his, his plea, his passion is, so go do something with it. Share it. It's what he gave his life for, literally. And the only reason you're standing here today or sitting here today, if you're a follower of Christ, the only reason is because somebody took that gospel message and shared it with you or somebody's. And so we, guys, as we end Romans, 
The gospel cannot end at cross train. As we end Romans, as, as, as we walk out of here today, the gospel cannot end. If you're saved, if you're sitting here today and you're saved, the gospel does not end with your salvation. It's just the beginning. Right? And so, so Paul is going to remind us of that today. So look at your first talking points question. So your first talking points question, and this is where we have discussion. It's an insert in your bulletin. I know we have several visitors today. Um, and so if you, if you haven't, you have an insert in your bulletin. It talks about your training worksheet. On the back of it, we have a talking point that we, we some of them are discussion-oriented. Some of them are not. Um, this one happens to be. And so we're going to talk, um, as excited as I am about our new series that we're going into to help us engage in the mission, um, I, I wanna, I, we're going to finish with what Paul's telling us today, which is, hey, the gospel is about the mission. So Paul has not only shared the gospel, he shared his heart. And his heart is to fulfill his purpose in spreading the gospel and advancing the kingdom. The gospel is part of your story too. But it must not end with you. If you are in Christ, the gospel has changed you inwardly so that you can show it outwardly. So how do we do that? I'm asking. We're discussion here. How do we share the gospel outwardly? Pray with the waitress. Pray with the so just ask, your, ask the person serving you, hey, how can I pray for you? We're going to pray for this meal. How can I pray for you? Right? We, we, I, I, had, I was having lunch with my, brother, with my brother Brian the other day, and we had a really powerful moment with that, where, where the woman just started to weep a little bit right at our table because her husband had died. Right? S- simple question. Good. What else? The way we talk, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel by which you have been called, Paul tells us. Right? Let, like, be distinctly different. Not standoffish, not snub-nosish, but be different than the world. Good. What else? Be others-focused. Be others-focused. So, how, so how, what are some practical ways we can be others-focused? Listen. Ask questions. Listen for answers. Pray that the Spirit would reveal hearts. Michelle. So, so if you hear Michelle, just like ask, friend, neighbor, maybe it's just somebody you barely say, so how are you doing? Like, and what, what I try to do is, and, and you can ask that at different, deeper levels. You can say, so how is your soul? Right? But you can just say, so how are you doing? And then I'll often say to, like, the, to the lady at the fries, I'll say, no, really. Like, how are you doing really? And it's, and it's all about taking the time, being others-oriented, and, and letting your own countenance invite them into a conversation. Right? If all you're saying is, say, how are you doing today? What the, everybody knows, what does that mean? What, what is the only answer we really want if, we're, if we have that kind of countenance? Good. How are you? Exactly. I don't have time for anything else is usually what our, our thing is. So actually asking in a way that, 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 that leans into that person a little bit. What are some of the obstacles that get in the way of that? What? Fear. Huge one. Fear of man. Time, that's my biggie right there. I don't, I, don't make, I don't leave enough margin in my life to be interrupted by the Holy Spirit. What else? Being embarrassed. Being embarrassed. 
Yeah, but like, like, like the enemy, the lies of the enemy of, you know, the, the world doesn't want to hear, nobody cares, we're all isolated, you know, like all the different things. Good. So any, anything else? Michelle. Not being obedient or following the spirit of the God. I remember. Right, so, so, so as, we're, as we're out and about, like when Paul talks about pray without ceasing, this is one of those areas that I look at. Like when you're, when you're walking into the store, I know this was something that Lori Johnson really hit me with several years ago where she talked about like, like when you walk into the sprouts, are you praying, so Lord, give me an opportunity here to talk to somebody about you? Because if nothing else, even that prayer m- turns your attention to the mission, right, which is ultimately what we're here to talk about today. So 23 years ago yesterday, Pastor John Piper prayed his most famous sermon. 23 years ago, he was a younger preacher. He prayed this sermon that's, if you, if you YouTube it, it's called Seashells. And, and, and he was preaching at what was called the Cross Conference. It was the first one. He was preaching to 40,000 college kids in this stadium. And he shares a story about a couple of missionaries who, di- who had died that week Missionaries from his church who had died that week on mission. And, and what he says to this group of college kids that are all getting ready to graduate from college and get sent off, is he's, his heart is, get on mission with me. Like, be on the mission. And he says, the problem is we hear a story about missionaries dying on mission, and we think that's a tragedy. And then he says, let me tell you what a tragedy is. A tragedy is I've got other people in my church, which, was in, which is in Minnesota, who have retired in Florida, and their whole plan in life from now on is to walk the beach and collect seashells. That's a tragedy. He preached a similar message when he was here at Grand Canyon uh, University not so long ago. It was this, it's this idea, guys, that we have got to change what the obstacle for us in being on mission is, is we've, it's not, it's, yes, it is us. We talk about that a lot here at Cross Train. But ultimately, we just have a wrong perspective. We, and I love where, where RJ, um, or the Spirit actually, just took a lot of the prayer time. Guys, we, it is not true, he who dies with the most, most toys wins. That is not true. But we are so consumed in temporal things. What's going on in our world? What's going on in our life? What's the next thing on my TikTok thing? Like, we're so distracted by that. We're collecting seashells. And, and, and someday, think about this. Someday, if you enter into glory, now guys, what, being on mission doesn't somehow save you. You're on mission because you're saved. You enter into glory, but what do you want to be able to say? Do you want to be able to say, I have lived my life for the one who gave me life? Or do you want to say, hey, Jesus, here's my shells. Here's my shells. I, this is what I spent my life doing, collecting seashells. Is that really what we want to be known for? So that's what Paul is going to press us into. And just like a lot of his other messages, it's going to get really uncomfortable. Just to help set the table a little bit more before we jump into the passage, here are three quotes from three popular people I think they'll come up. Jim Carrey said this, I think everybody should become rich and famous and do everything that they ever dreamed of so that they'll see that it's not the answer. Katy Perry, the musician, after, after her music had been downloaded on Spotify a hundred million times, was interviewed and said, I am constantly struggling with feelings of insecurity and inadequacy. And how about this one, The Goat? The greatest of all time, Tom Brady. This is only after his third of seven Super Bowls. 
He says, there are times when I don't think that I'm the person I'm, that I don't think I'm the person I'm supposed to be. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something better out there for me? People tell me, man, this, man, this is what it's all about. He's like, you've arrived. You're 27 years old and you've got three Super Bowls already. This is it. This is the pinnacle. But he's like, but I think to myself, there must be something more than this. This can't be all that is cracked up to be. I've done it, and I'm only 27. Then he said, like, what else is there for me? Now, here's the saddest part about that. That was after Super Bowl III. He's, he's since won four more. How's his life right now? By, just by what we see of it. Failed marriage. Like, like, it's like, how? So I, I'm, not, I'm not blaming either of these three people. They're just being who they are apart from Christ. But what we need to ask is, how's that working for them? It is all vanity and chasing after wind, unless we're doing it for the Lord. And so with that, let's jump into our, because that was a really long introduction for what will hopefully be a fairly fast-paced moving map. We're not going to go through all of the, um, the verses today, because if, like, if you read the reading today like you should, if you're like, wow, that's a lot to cover, we are going to skip around a little bit, which we don't normally do. I'll tell you why in a few minutes. But we're going to talk about how do we make the gospel real by being on mission. And ultimately, the question is really simple. So how do we spread the gospel? Like, like what is that? Like, how, how do we spread the gospel on mission, according to Paul, in the end of the book of Romans? And first, we have to know the mission. Then we do it together for the glory of God. In order to spread the gospel, you have to know the mission. You have to be willing to do it with other people. And you do it for the glory of God. And that's where Paul is going to take us today. So with that, turn to Romans chapter 15, and we're going to pick it up in where we left off last week, and we're going to look at verse, starting in verse 14, about this, how do we spread the gospel? We have to know the mission. If you look at Romans 15, verse 14, he says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, or it's in that word that's translated brothers could be translated brothers and sisters. So he's saying, I, I have, and we'll see that he's very pro-female. We're going to see that here in a few minutes. I am, I, he's all about the sisters in the church. I am, I am myself satisfied about you, brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Guys, that's a mature believer. That's why when we changed our name two years ago from Cornerstone to Cross Train, the tagline is training people to teach God's truth. Because we want to be not, we want, don't just want to know, we don't just want to be filled with knowledge, we want to instruct others also. That's what the teaching series we're going to do this summer is going to be all about. But I love how this, even those first couple of verse, or that first verse, shows Paul's heart as a shepherd. Now look what he says. This is one of those moments where he gets pretty bold for Paul. But he says, but on some point I've written to you very boldly. So he's saying on points like, what is the gospel? Those kinds of things. I've, I've been very bold to be a um, and then he says, because of the grace given to me by God, verse 16, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable. So he's saying, I have fulfilled the mission God has called me to, or I am fulfilling the mission to go, that he set me apart for, sanctified me by the Spirit for, which is to go tell the gospel to the, to the non-Jewish world, So, which was Greece, Rome, and eventually he wanted to go to Spain. In Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Guys, are you? Are you proud of your work for God? 
Right now, if, 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 someone, if, if, if your epitaph was being written, if, if, if instead of gathering on a Sunday to worship Christ, we're sitting here on a Saturday or on a Friday evening having your um, memorial service, what would you want people to say? He's saying, I am proud of my work. What, what needs to change for you? What needs to be added? What needs to grow in you for you to be proud of your work? He says, for I'm not, I, we'll come back to that in a few minutes, for, I'm, for I will not venture to speak anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, bringing the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. Guys, my, my verse for um, this year was, is Acts 20, 24, where it talks about where Paul, Paul writes, he says, I consider my life, Acts 20, 24, just write it down, don't turn there, I'm preaching. But he says, I, I consider my life worth nothing unless it has been spent on what it was called to do. And that is to share the good news of the grace of Jesus Christ. Like, and so I, that, like, I, I remind myself of that every day. Like, today is worth nothing unless I'm spending it. Not, guys, do I spend every day on that? Sadly, no. And I'm a pastor. I'm, but that's why I picked it as my verse, because I needed to be reminded of what really matters. So what does that really look like? What does it look like to have spent it on the purpose for which I've been called? Well, it looks like making disciples, right? It's, it's, the, it's the great commission, go and make disciples. It's maturing believers. It's, teach, it's, it's 2 Timothy 2. It's this idea of teach these things to faithful men so that they'll teach others also. It's Titus 2. Women, or Titus 1, it's women, teach other women so that they can teach other women. So it's this picture of multiplication. It's, it's where he started in Romans 1. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to, every, to everyone in the whole world. For in it, for in the message of the gospel, for in the message that God has reconciled us to him, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. So he's saying, so, so now turn to, or actually I think it's going to come up on the screen. I'm going to turn there. You don't have to. Second, Second Timothy chapter 4. This is one of your readings this week. But he says this. 2 Timothy 4, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing. So this, these are the last words that Paul, who wrote Romans, writes. At this point in his life, he's imprisoned and, nailed to a, and um, chained to a floor. And he says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when we will when people will not endure sound teaching they won't endure a 39 week series on romans and i do mean endure right because because they want to have their ears tickled they only want to go to churches that will tell them what they want to hear whether it's their particular version of theology or their version of how to live their life or their whatever it is i'm not going to berate anybody in particular as much as I tend to want to do that, which is sad. For they themselves are t they, they they bring in teachers that pursue their own, for their own passions. Verse four and wilt and they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wandering off to myths. But as for you, be sober minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Guys, that's not just the call on a pastor's life. That's not just the call on the elders and the deacons' lives. That's the call on every believer. He's writing to all of us as followers of Christ. 
He's saying, you do the work of an evangelist. You fulfill your ministry. Our ministry is to make disciples. That's the bottom line. Or, so at the end of our game, are we going to be able to look back? At the end of our time, are we going to look back and go, Lord, how did I live my life? How was I faithful in the little things? How did I, how did I do with what you gave me, what you wanted me to do? And, and be able to have actually a, a not... Not because we're trying to earn anything, but simply as an overflow of our, of our appreciation for what he's done for us, I have a list of disciples that have fallen in behind us, or am I just going to go, hey God, here's my shells. Thank you for your grace. I'm glad I'm here. Here's my shells. The shells were his before you gave them to him. Or he doesn't need you to collect shells. He doesn't. He wants you to make disciples. That's what he wants. So the question becomes, where, with who, how? So I'm going to give you a minute to answer that. Look at your second talking points question. Here's what I want you to do. This one is not interactive other than at you at your table or at your chair. Write down three specific ways. Now what I, here's what I mean by ways. Ways could be settings. So like places you go, school, work, coffee shop, etc. Circumstances. Groups that you meet with. Um, things that you're engaged in socially, whatever, circumstances, or souls, individual people you know are not yet or are not sure are, are in the kingdom, list three specific ways, people, places, whatever, you will commit to fulfilling the call of Christ's mission to share the good news of the gospel and make disciples. So what I'm asking you to do right now is simply say, what, Lord, like right now I'm just going to pray it, Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would reveal to each of us here where are those three things, people, place, setting, circumstance, um, where, where you would give us opportunity to be witnesses for you. And then, Father, I pray that you would, like, like Paul has said, that we would be bold. That we would just be able to step into those moments because your spirit has already primed the pump. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to add one thing to it that I'd ask you to write down. What is one thing that needs to change in your life to make room for that to happen? Not, guys, and don't put selfishness or something vague like that. I mean, what is some selfish habit you have that is stealing time away or energy away, or what? Just whatever. Like, what is specifically? What is one thing that needs to happen in your life so that you have time to do those work with those three? Just quickly jot that down. It could be. It could be something really small. It could be something really big. Okay, so. How do we spread the gospel? First, we have to know what the mission is. The mission is to make disciples. The mission is, guys, you get, if you get nothing else out of today, get this. Salvation is not the end of the journey for you. It, it, that is what has been sold in the church for way too long. It, it, the, the goal is get them in, get them saved. Right? Like, like get them to pray a prayer, raise a hand, get them dunked, we're good to go. Guys, that's just the beginning. Right? The, the mission is is for you to multiply. Get this. Jesus' only plan, this is the Son of God, His only plan to see the gospel go to the whole world 
was to train 12 dudes to take the gospel to the world. That's crazy talk to me. That's his plan. You're one of those dudes or dudettes. So we got to get about the business. If you are here today and you are saved, it is because somebody or somebody's told you about Jesus. If, it, if you don't, who will? And if not now, when? If not you, who? If not now, when? So go back to Romans. These next two points, they, they, they accelerate as we go, which is exactly the opposite of what they teach you in good homiletics school. They say make your first point the short point. Your first point was a long point today, just so you know. And to help shorten that point, we're actually going to jump to chapter 16, verse 1. The rest of chapter 15 is Paul just talking about his plan. He's like, this is my plan for taking the gospel. I want to go to Spain. Right now I'm going to Jerusalem. And then he, and then he kind of finishes that thought, and he continues on with what we call um, chapter 16. So how do we share the gospel? We have to know the mission, and then we have to do it together. Now look at what he says in chapter 16, verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at, Kin, um, at let's see, at Kinkreis, is how you would say that. It's actually got an S on the end of it. Now, Phoebe is a female. The word servant there is the same word that we translate deacon. So some of your translations might actually say, Phoebe the deaconess. Here's, my, here's the point. The point isn't to blame, like, are, are, can, can females be deacons or not? There are places that, in Scripture where we talk about that. If you have questions about that, feel free to ask me or one of the elders. The point is, Paul is intentionally exalting a woman. Not only here, where he says, please accept my sister Phoebe. But he's saying, because, because Phoebe was this, this city that he's talking about, is a city in Corinth where Paul is writing this letter. So she's there with him. This is sanctified speculation, but my guess is the reason he says receive her is because she's the one he gives the letter to, to take to Rome. Guys, in that culture, especially, and I'm talking about, I don't mean the Jewish culture, I mean in the Roman culture, to have, to have exalted a female like that would have been unheard of. Christianity is very pro-female. I mean, it, it has done more for women's rights in the world than any other religion or all the other religions combined. That's just a historical fact, regardless of what you hear on YouTube. So let's keep going. That you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. Like, we should all stop right there and just go, wow. Do you hear what he's saying? You're going to accept her like you would accept Abraham, like you would accept David, like you would accept Peter, like you would accept me, accept her. That was not, so, in our culture we go, okay, yeah, I get that. In their culture it was like, whoa, that's crazy talk. But he keeps going. He says, um, um, he says and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. So maybe she's delivering this letter. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. That's a married couple. My fellow workers in Christ. So there's another woman, a married couple that he's uh, engaged with. He says, who they risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church that meets in their house. So guys, this is how the gospel spreads. 
It's spreading through faithful people. He starts, and then what he does is he starts mentioning a whole lot of names for the rest from, from, verse, from the second half of verse 5 down to the end of verse 15. He lists 26 names. Now, what do we do with those? Well, one thing you don't do with them is you don't read them out loud while you're preaching because some of those names are really hard to pronounce. But here's what you do with them is you ask the question as you're reading them. Why are they there? Now, Paul often ends his letter with greetings like this, but nothing at this level. Here's why they're there. Because the church in Rome was made up of Greeks and Jews, and it was this whole mix of people. And what he's trying to show us is the unity that is in the midst of diversity. Because in those 26 names that he lists there, there are Jewish names, and there are, he, and there are um, Greek names. So he's saying, hey, both Jew and Greek, there are also male and female. There's at least eight females listed on this list. Maybe nine, because one of the names could be either way. Like a, like a name today would be, um, what's the name that goes either way? To, hmm? Jamie. Jamie. Okay, so like, like that, like that goes, like could go either way. So you've got, so you, so you got this. So he's saying Jew, Gentile, male, female, whatever it is. He, he's listing them all because he's making a point. He's saying we're all on the same page. We're all in the midst of this thing called the church. We do this thing. He's saying do this thing. That, all this that I just wrote to you, you've got to do it together, people. You cannot. There is no place in Scripture for the disconnected Christian. Guys, COVID didn't just make this, this was, all, this was a massive problem before, COVID just amplified it. I know I'm preaching to the choir every time I get on the soapbox, but we all know people who say that they're Christians and, and will not attend the church for all kinds, or, or they'll attend online because they'll watch Matt Chandler on YouTube, right? That's not the church. Right, so, so we have to, like he's saying, he's trying to show us the importance of unity, the importance of unity in the midst of diversity, and the importance of gathering, not just because this, this is what people say, well, I am part of the church. He's not saying be part of the church. He's saying be part of a church. There's a huge difference to walk around and say you're a Christian, so I'm part of the body of Christ that is the global church, isn't it's true. It's just part of the story. The, the Bible is clear. You are saved into a family. So the question becomes, where's yours? Where's mine? He's saying, guys, you are all part of the same family. And he's trying to push this point of going, so, like, like he writes in Ephesians, so in meekness and humility, um, therefore as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which you've been called with humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He's saying, we don't, if you're here, and, and this is part of your family, or wherever you regularly attend church, as long as you regularly attend church, you're here by God's design. The Holy Spirit doesn't just save you and set you apart. He places you in a family. That's why it's so unhealthy for somebody to go I have been saved and set apart but I don't have a family because I'm just not down with church and I've said this before and I'll keep saying it do not tell Jesus that you love him and hate his bride he will not have it he won't there, is, there just isn't a place for that there is no room in the, in the teaching of Christ for I, I, I believe 
that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he did, and he is my personal Lord and Savior, but I'm just not down with church. Jesus is not down with that. I get that there are reasons to not like the church, but we all get that there are reasons to not, to, the church is frustrating, the church is hurtful, the church is painful. Guys, if that's part of your past, please, please, please talk to us. Because this is a safe place to go, yeah, I heard what you just said. And you know what? Church stinks because Christians are so mean. I'll be like, yeah, you're right. And I am sorry for that. And I've been wounded about that like that too. So let's talk about God's grace and forgiveness. I have wounded. So let's talk about how I've needed God's grace and forgiveness. But get in a church. Like somewhere. Like please, I'm begging you. It doesn't have to be here, just somewhere where the word of God is preached regularly. Guys, understand, we are made for community. He's talking about how we are the body of Christ. He's, he's taking this idea that he talked about in Romans, and he's saying, this is how we all fit together, and we did, we did two whole messages on that idea. Uh, last, last thought on this. Adam was lonely before the rebellion. Adam in the garden, Adam and Eve, before Eve, before the rebellion, Adam was lonely. Why? Because God made us in his image, and in his, his image is relational. We have to be in relationship. So, from literally from the beginning, Genesis 1, which you're going to read next week, to the end of Scripture, it's about relationships. So get in them. As frustrating and as, and as painful as some of those can be, get in them. Look at your last talking points question. There's a danger in getting discouraged or distracted or off track or lazy, even as a church. The body of Christ we call cross-train exists to glorify God by spreading the gospel and advancing the kingdom. We gather and we are sent out for Christ to remember what he did and what he has called us to. So let's remember, guys, I, I, this is, before I finish those last couple thoughts, this is an area that the Lord's really been convicting me with. COVID hit. We were in schools. All of a sudden, we have no place to meet. So we're online for whatever it was, eight weeks, which was just horrendous for everybody, including me. Right? And then we're in basically what amounts to four locations in 18 months. That any of you hung in there for that last one, in that little space, in that cafeteria space where the, the service would end, and everybody was like this, because we're like, oh my goodness, it's 90 degrees in here with the one air conditioner. That any of you are, I mean, I get the fact that when God gave us this space, and, and it took the time to get it built out, and we gathered here, I get why everybody was in a collective kind of, <gasps> like everybody was exhausted. And I get that. I do. I get that there was a time for us to just sort of soak and enjoy not having to set up and tear down the music and enjoy just being together. But guys, understand this. That time is done. Now we're just fat, dumb, and happy. Right? If we're just sitting here today going, it's all about, you know, we have this beautiful place, let's just go. And we're not making disciples. We're not getting sent to be his witnesses that we painted on the wall before we even moved in here. Then we're just getting fat, dumb, and happy. And, and man, that grieves my heart. And so we need to, so that's why I have this question in there. So remember these things. The God's goodness is best sensed by you when you give it away to other people. God's love is best seen by you when you're willing to sacrifice your wants. So go back to those three people and, and figure out, so how do we do this? How do I, you have, to, you have to get past the distraction, the laziness, all the things, and just, get, and just go. And just ask yourself the question, am I going to live my life for the one who gave me life or not? 
and that brings us to our last point. So how do we spread the gospel? You have to know what it is. You have to know the mission. You have to do it together. You do it together. None of us by ourselves can be the full expression of Christ. The body of Christ is a group of people spiritually knit together. And the last thing is it's to the glory of God. And this, and this point really does go fast. Jump down to verse 25 or over to verse 25. And look at what he says. And I know I skipped a bunch of stuff. It's okay. Verse 25, maybe some of you have this little thing. It's called a pericope. It's the little heading above it. It might say something like doxology. A doxology or a benediction, it means doxology is the word for glory. Those words are not, the reason they're different is because they're not Holy Spirit inspired. They're put in there by the publisher. That's okay. But this is a doxology. This is a glory moment for Paul. And this is how we're going to finish. So he gets to the whole end of this beautiful letter Remember, all the way back to Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And he gets to the very end, and these are the last words he's going to have written. He says, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel. So I'm in verse 25. And to the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation and the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed through the prophet's writings, that's the word of God, and has been made known to all the nations according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith, the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ and amen. Guys, all of this, all of this, not just this, I mean all of creation, all of your salvation is for him. And any part of any of this, including your salvation, that is not for him is for nothing. Understand that. All of this is for him, and any part of this that is not for him is for nothing. It will burn. The things that we're chasing after are going to come to an end quickly. He tells us that in part of the passage where he's like, the Lord is coming again. The Lord is going to come and crush the head of Satan, he says. Right there in, in verse 20 of chapter 16. So he's like, so stop bickering and arguing about the best way to do this or the right way to think about this second or third or fourth tier issue and just get about the mission for the glory of the one who called us out of, his dar out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. So here's what we're going to do. You're all going to stand with me for a minute because we're going to stand in the glory of God. You can bring the lights down. The music team can come up. Guys, we need to remember... What Christ did for us, like what he's done, but, all, but also what he's called us to do. You are saved, you and I are saved on purpose for a purpose, and that is to make him known. That's it. If your salvation was the end game for God, he would have taken you home the minute you confessed him as Lord and Savior. The only reason he would leave you here the only reason is to make him known. So I'm going to finish with the other great doxology in Romans. Right? When, when in Romans chapter 11, when he gets to the very end of this whole thing about the gospel, and he says, oh, the wisdom and knowledge of God. So he's like, so he gets to the end of explaining God's love and goodness and saving grace and sovereign joy. And he's like, and he gets to the end and he goes, Oh, the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and unfathomable his ways. 
For who has known the mind of the Lord? And who has been his counselor? And guys, who has given him anything, including our lives, that wasn't already his in the first place? And then he closes with this. For from him and to him and through him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. So I want you to read that with me one more time. For from him and to him and through him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now let's read it like we really mean it, guys. Ready? From, From him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated.